Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Park Church Podcast. Uh, I'm James Lapine, your host. And on this show, it is my job to talk with uh, well-known authors, speakers, and thinkers about the intersection of faith and day-to-day life. Um, Our guest today is Derek Rishmawi. He's a PhD student at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. uh, And he says he's attempting to study systematic theology there. At least he's trying. Um, So if you're interested in Reformed theology and... Uh, ministering to millennials and just being a nerd, uh, then I think you'll enjoy this episode. Um, and yeah, that's it for me. We'll get we'll get right to it with Derek. Uh, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks thanks for having me on. Um, it's a very generous intro, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah. What I, would you change I, about I have, coached, I have coached many in the art of nerdery, so. You've coached um, many millennials? In the art of nerdery, yes. Oh, in the uh, art of nerdery. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so... No, I, everything else. That's funny, because I actually... Well, I'll get to that in a minute. I had a friend... I have a friend who's sort of a, a nerd and a theological guy, and so I texted him yesterday and said, what qu- what questions do you have for Derek? We'll, we'll get to that one in a minute. That's, a, that's what in radio we call that a <laughs> teaser. Uh, so you'll want to stick around for that audience fielded question. Um, but I have to admit sometimes when I, I, I said, Hey, people said, who's next on the podcast? I said, Derek Rishmawi. Some people said, I don't know who that is. So you're actually not, you're not universally known yet. Um, so can you give us the, the two or three minute story? Um, (laughs) Okay, uh, two or three minute story for the vast majority of humans who've never heard of me. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm a grad student at, at Trinity Evangelical, um, studying, hopefully, uh, hopefully going to focus on the doctrine of God uh, and looking at God's holiness. Um, before that, I used to work in college ministry with uh, just college and young adults at a church by the name of uh, Trinity United Presbyterian down in Southern California, where I grew up. Grew up in Orange County, you know, went to a couple schools local, uh, married a girl from my youth group that we reconnected in college, uh, McKenna. She's fantastic. Um, yeah, I've just, I've been in church my whole life. I'm still in church. Uh, I want to serve the church, uh, you know, through theology, uh, preaching, teaching. Uh, whatever way I can, uh, but yeah, I mean that the sum of it is basically I'm in I'm in grad school right now. I write a little bit and and I tweet too much, so that's pretty <laughs> much that's the nutshell version of, of Derek. Okay, and, and you said yeah. you guys met in youth group. I want to assume that you guys were both going to youth group, not you weren't leading the youth group. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, we were in high school uh, high school uh, group together. Went to a big big. Uh, big evangelical mega church down there that had a massive youth group. Okay. Uh, but we went, uh, we went to local high schools and so we, we knew each other a little bit vaguely and then, and then we reconnected in college. Uh, and that's when we really started dating and stuff. But yeah, I, I, you know, I knew her, I knew her when we were in high school. So gotcha. It's fun. It turned out, but yeah. And is your dad in ministry or how did this become to be so important to you? Um, no, uh, well, he, he, not, not formally. Um, my parents were both heavily involved in the local church, raised me in the church. 
uh, me and my sister. Um, so I was, you know, church Sunday, Sunday and Wednesday every week, uh, as long as I can remember Bible studies, mm-hmm. uh, in the car, you know, what, driving in the car on the way to school with my mom listening to, you know, Christian radio. Um, and yeah, I mean, just always raised with it, always knew I believed, always, uh, was a part of my life. And then really was until college though, that I felt the call to ministry, mm-hmm. um, had a kind of like a, a dry season with God was annoyed with him for various things, <laughs> uh, you know, not going to school. I wanted to, that kind of thing. And then, uh, the Lord just kind of got a hold of me again and, and, uh, just gave me a more vibrant, um, relationship with him probably about my freshman year in, in, in college. And a couple months after that kind of revitalization, I just started feeling a draw towards ministry. So I was maybe 18, maybe 19 before that I'd want to go to law school, all that kind of thing. Okay. Um, but yeah, I started, uh, started reading my Bible like crazy. Um, switched majors to philosophy, uh, got into apologetics and started reading theology. And then, you know, from there it was just kind of a continued trajectory, you know, working with, uh, working with youth groups, uh, my old youth group, uh, starting with high school kids. And then, you know, from there, seminary and, um, or, you know, grad school, uh, masters, and then, you know, getting a job and working with college students. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it always grew up around it. Um, but felt the call in, in, uh, in probably college okay. to actually pursue a, um, full-time vocational, uh, ministry or, pastoral ministry mm-hmm. and then grad school just kind of came about um as a secondary thing uh, realizing that i had some inclinations towards reading theology and and reading you know the nerdier academic sword and trying to see how that translates to um local church preaching and teaching and um yeah so that's 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 the nutshell of I don't know my 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 call. Okay, I suppose. Okay, uh, yeah. And you know, I I said the uh, the full name of your school earlier, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. I heard someone refer to it as Ted's the other day, and I didn't know what that was. So I just want to clear yeah. that up for anyone. Ted's is Trinity Evangelical Evangelical Divinity School, which is a mouthful. So I understand the why they why they have shortened yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and- it works for me, especially because I went from Trinity to Trinity. My old church was Trinity United Presbyterian, okay. and then I went to Trinity uh, Evangelical Divinity School, so it helps yeah. differentiate me where I'm at. Um, <laughs> where the where parts of the story are taking place. So, yeah. So, you ended up there because it's aligned to uh, the place where you were working? Uh, no, actually, I ended up there because I wanted to work with my my uh, my advisor. My advisor is a uh, work with a guy named uh, Kevin Van Hooser. Okay, he's a phenomenal contemporary uh, theologian, reformed theologian. Uh, I've been reading him since basically I started reading theology maybe ten years ago. Um, books like if you haven't heard of his stuff, if you're a theology nerd, I'll just plug his book shamelessly. Um, the drama of doctrine is the first one I read. It's on theological method, scripture, the nature of theology and, that, and all that. Um, a few others 
remythologizing theology. That's like on the doctrine of God, and that one's a bit more expensive, but it's worth picking up the paperback, going through it. Um, other recent works, uh, the, the most recent one, Biblical Authority After Babel, and it's on um, retrieving the five solas as like a framework for doing uh, Protestant theology and kind of answering objections to the idea that uh, Protestant theology is inherently kind of unstable and leads to theological anarchy. So that one's shorter. It was, it's cheaper. It's 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 probably a good place to jump in if you're if you're looking to see where to start with Van Hooser. It's it's it's, it's not a bad one. So I came to work with him. Okay. Uh, because I've been working forever, and, and and an opportunity opened up, and so I I um, he's my graduate advisor. And I'm his, I'm his TA. So that, I'm out here for that reason. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That was, yeah. we just, we just went there. We went super nerdy, like early on. I had to have, I mean, you mentioned it and <laughs> I am shameless. I've been shameless in my admiration of my advisor for a while and also plugging his stuff. Yeah. Uh, Cause he won't do it. Right. So right. somebody too. One, um, one of my coworkers is at Acton right now. Are you familiar with that? I think so. Yes. It's yeah. a conference in uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's attending a lecture today called uh, post consensus culture and natural law translating moral principles in a disbelieving age. Who's that makes, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> it does. It does. Sounds like a good lecture. Yeah. <laughs> So I like it. I make fun of him a lot. He he posted the like uh, nerd emoji with it though, so that kind of makes it a little more palatable. Um, trying to trying to be ironic about it. Yeah. Well, he's a millennial, so of course. Right. You can't can't be too earnest about anything. <laughs> you can't show your hand too 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 much. Right. There. Right. Exactly. Um, okay. So you you were doing uh, ministry in California. You you were. You had a job that you were doing, but you decided to pull out of that to pursue further studies. I think sometimes people wrestle with, um, do I go to school? Do I just hop in and start doing ministry? Do I do them concurrently? So could you tell us how you thought about that and, and how you landed where you did? Uh, yeah, it's a good question. Um, I really struggle with that, struggled with that question. Um, I struggled with it initially when I even took the first job. Uh, to ministry because I, I was feeling after my master's I was feeling a call possibly to go do more graduate school but I just thought no this is a good time to go into ministry for a bit and it worked out that way um, but as I was in as I was working my job um, with college students young adults it was good it was good and I loved my students and I loved my time and yet um, for me uh, I just kept finding myself reading books of a certain sort, having certain kinds of conversations with people who were in graduate school. Um, some of my writing started to kind of veer in that direction, and it was I was getting positive feedback on it. Um, and then I just had a lot of conversations with uh, trusted mentors, trusted friends, uh, you know, groomsmen, old pastors um, who were kind of just pushing me saying you, you need to really, you need to really think about applying for graduate school. Um, and so 
when I had a better sense that this wasn't just Derek wanting to go um, get a few extra letters in front of his name or behind his name and uh, or just, you know, boost my ego or, or whatever. But the other people outside of me were seeing a bit of this calling on me, too. Um, I wasn't just getting angst, anxious because ministry wasn't panning out exactly how I wanted or something like that. Um, then I, I started to pursue it. Uh, and so even as I was pursuing it, um, even as I was applying, it wasn't very clear to me exactly where to go. Um, you know, issues of finances, issues of opportunity, uh, you know, thinking about how, whether to move or not, um, were all in the mix. And so there were a couple of options that were, I was thinking of either, either continuing in the local church ministry and, and doing, you know, school at the same time that and as it happens um i have i have awful i have awful um decision making skills mm. uh i i compare i'm just to confess but i am paralyzed by uh by possibilities mm. and so um <laughs> think about 15 different ways that it could go right or wrong or per, per each one and so i you know a lot of prayer and it just kind of opened up that one op- one opportunity was very clearly better than the other and very clearly uh, the most open door, so to speak. That's not always the case for everybody. Others have to make, uh, I think, harder decisions. And it was still very hard. It was still a lot of risk and uh, a lot of dislocation for my wife and myself. And um, uh, But in this case... After a long process, God, I think, made this more clear hmm. um, through just practical circumstances, uh, you know, practical, financial, and whatever ones, through the voice of trusted friends, and through just internal internal call, internal sense. So, um, yeah, it, it's a, this is the thing that's that's hard is is that it's a very personal. Uh, there's a very personal dimension of vocation and calling um, involved that changes from person to person, obviously personal. But um, there's also just pragmatic realities on the ground of you might have a really strong sense and yet certain doors just do not open. You do not get accepted in certain places um, or you would have to make sacrifices that uh, would be too costly uh, to loved ones or to people dependent on you. That kind of thing where um, it's hard to ha- it's hard to give anybody a clear rubric other yeah. than here what happened for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's one of those things where I hesitate to like give somebody a clear set of uh, you know guidelines for how I how it works out for them because the way it worked out for me is not the way it works out for a lot of people. Mm. And so, um, that was just a sense that I had. And the other thing I'll say is this, uh, you know, going into this, going into the theology PhD, um, just the re- reality of the job markets being what they are. Um, I also went in with a very strong understanding that I'm, I'm okay going into either academic or possibly returning to, um, pastoral ministry. Uh, local church ministry. So I, I, I don't see my degree as 
useless to either, or certainly not to academic. It's a requirement there, but I don't see it as something that will hold me back in the, you know, in the in the parish mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. That's where God has me. So, but again, yeah. That, so that, those are those are some things that I say. Um, I don't know if that was too much of a rambling mouthful, but <laughs> no, that's good. I think it's super relevant to to our current moment. I mean, uh, I, I, I'll also add one thing. Yeah, Sorry. no, go. Uh, if you're a theology nerd and you uh, just are like, man, I just love this academic stuff. Well, I, I will just say this: I did. This is not the only place to study uh, the Bible, study theology in depth, uh, and it's a particular context aimed at at a particular goal, you know, formation in a dissertation, right? But it's not the only context where you can study this stuff. I got a lot of good studying in, in my last gig. And my last gig was kind of unique with college and young adults. But, um, yeah, it's it's a very particular, trying, uh, difficult thing at times. Hmm. Um, it's not the only place you can study uh, not saying that to discourage anybody, but just realize in any situation you're in, there are going to be limitations and hindrances, mm-hmm. as well as advantages and um, blessings. So, yep. uh, yeah, that's that's what I just add. No, that's good. That's wise. We can we can uh, see the grass being greener. So, if I don't like my job, well, maybe I should go to graduate school. Uh, yeah, I may, maybe or maybe not. Um, yeah. And the paradox yeah. of choice stuff that you talked about being overwhelmed by possibilities. Uh, and then, you know, Kevin DeYoung writes a book called just do something and there's yeah. that perspective. Yeah. And, and I think you're right. At some point you do weigh the risks, uh, and, and the rewards and you get counsel from outside sources and you pray and you do have to make a decision at some point, but it's not, man, I'm unhappy here. So maybe I should just pick something else and then I'll be happy. Right, right. And yeah. there's something to be unhappy about anywhere. Yep. Um, and, and you know, you, you take you wherever you go. <laughs> and, right? and, and you run into uh, brokenness wherever you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that is just one thing to just keep in mind. I say this, I say this as somebody who counts myself very blessed uh, to be where I'm at, hmm. um, what I'm doing. But, you know... Mine is not the only story. So sure. Yeah. Okay. Can we, um, can we talk a little bit about your talk from the gospel coalition? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you talked about the social imaginary of, of, uh, millennials getting fleshed out in these different categories of, um, uh, social anxiety, uh, community, and then sex and gender. Um, can you, yeah. Or, or am I just asking you to give the Gospel Coalition talk? Can you do a, a quicker version of it? <laughs> or should, should people just I mean, go listen to it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I would say I felt like that one was condensed as long as it was. It's hard to nutshell it. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, go listen yeah. to the talk. We'll we'll say that. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's I my my nutshell is 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 this. I mean, um, ministry to millennials requires but the, the nutshell pitch is this ministry to millennials requires having a theological vision a deep theological vision formed by the cross that um, aims at at 
producing and through and preaching and trying to embody in the local church an alternative social imaginary, an alternative um, kind of reflexive understanding of the world, you know, instinct, an instinctive, like unthought understanding of the world as one not uh, not through the lens or, or not with the with the basic instincts of uh, consumeristic capitalism or expressive individualism or um, any of the other dominant isms that kind of all come together to shape um, our current moment, but really uh, the the cross and, and the imaginary, the, the, the instincts that come with, with living in a universe where um, we realize that we live in the now and not yet. We live, we live between Christ's first and second comings. We live as people who've been bought and we live as people who've been redeemed and, and, have resurrection power and are called the community and not just that we have these beliefs um but we live in these realities in a more almost instinctive way hmm. uh that, that takes that takes hard preaching takes imaginative preaching it takes um practices in communities uh that that shape or reflect us you know practices surrounding you know, eating together and serving together and living together and things like that, which um, make these realities more than just disembodied ideas, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Make them flesh the realities that you can almost taste and touch, you know? So when we talk about church or we talk about community or whatever, it's, they're not just words on a page. They're, this, they're you know, oh, Joe and Jenny and Mary and uh, Jeff and all those people. That is when I say community, you have, you know, 10, 15, 20 faces that come to mind yeah. immediately or that kind of thing. And so I mean, that's, that was, that's the heart. And that's the kind of a nutshell of my talk with a bunch of details left out. Um, <laughs> yeah. And a lot just, of, it, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. It just has to go deeper and it has to, and it has to engage with particular dominant, dominant narratives, dominant stories that um, that we kind of all breathe. Um, yeah, that's, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I think. Well, not to extrapolate too much. I think growing up, uh, a message that was prevalent for Christians was culture has a way of doing things, and then Christians have a way of doing things. And you have to reject culture and accept the Christian way of doing it. And I understand that, but I think part of the beauty in your talk for me was, um, you didn't just say reject culture. You said, try to understand what's happening there and then try Mm -hmm. to explain how the cross, uh, speaks a better word into that. Is that fair? Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's, that's, that's it. I'm glad you caught that. And the way you put that sounds better than what I just said. Um, (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a good nutshell. I should have said that phrase. Well, you can still, um, it's all yours. Yeah, that's no, good. But, <laughs> but it is, it, it, yeah. The things that we long for are still, a lot of the narratives, a lot of the, the instincts, um, they're longing for real things, uh, but we're just, they're not set up to achieve them. Mm-hmm. Right. Modern contemporary life militates actually against 
reaching uh, our our deepest longings, our deepest created needs. Mm-hmm. And so um, it requires, yeah, some counterculture, but it also requires uh, theology of common grace and Christ's um, redemption in there. And so, yeah. So listen to the talk and you'll get what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll, I'll link to that. Uh, as you guys know, we, we post everything parkchurchdenver.org slash podcast. You can go there and find the episode with Derek and then click on, um, on any of the resources that we've mentioned here. So any Kevin Van Hooser book that you want, or if you want to go there and listen to his talk, I'll link to it there. Um, if you could put four books in front of every millennial, what, what four books would you pick? Oh man, that is, that is a, that is an awful great question that I, I would struggle with greatly. Um, I'm now kind of like turning, swiveling in my seat to look at my shelves. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's hard. I, I, I'd probably, if I could count as one book, um, just the extended works of Tim Keller. Yeah. Um, I would probably, I mean, I say that cheesily, um, but my students knew, my college students knew, I mean, I'd preach, I'd teach, or I'd sit in my office and they'd come talk to me and I'd, I'd, you know, one out of every two books I handed out was a Keller book mm-hmm. or something. I, I use it points partially just because they're so helpful. Um, you know, when it comes to apologetics questions you've got, you know, existential questions, uh, intellectual questions. I've always thought Keller's books, Reason for God, the most recent one, Making Sense of God, too. Mm-hmm. Great places to start, not just because they have all the answers in and of themselves, but they also have a lot of good um, pointers to where else to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, one also pretty fun work, one other author who's got a couple of really good books to connect to, um, Josh Ryan Butler. Okay. Joshua Ryan Butler has two books. Um, the skeletons in God's closet and the pursuing God that tackle a lot of just really difficult questions like, um, uh, hell judgment, other religions, the cross, things like that. But again, those are more like the apologetic range. Um, so those are, those are two authors I would put people onto. Okay. That's good. Um, one, one other, I'll just say this. J.I. Packer's Knowing God, I, you know, it's 30, whatever years old, I just love that book. Yeah. I think Christians should read it of any age, of any age. It's just, it's good. Um, It's life-giving theology and focused on the gospel. Um, So that's another favorite. I got one more. Hold on. Yep. I, I... Part of it is just it's a matter of who 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 they are. Um, this is going to drive me nuts if I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> it can be uh, three. <laughs> it can be three. We got to move on. <laughs> no, no, we don't have to. Right. We'll, just, we'll just go for that. We'll just go for that. I'll, I'll put it this way: if I just if I had to start over, I would I would I would make them read um, make them read a lot of Ecclesiastes. Just read that on repeat. Yeah. Uh, Kierkegaard's Sickness Unto Death are two other ones. Okay. Two. I would throw out there. Um, not Fear and Trembling. Sickness Unto Death. Not fear, I like Fear and Trembling. It's good. Uh, but 
I think a lot of people take the wrong. I think people take the wrong. Uh, a lot of people get the wrong point out of that work. Okay. Um, they don't contextualize it enough in Kierkegaard's work. Uh, uh, you know, he wrote it. He wrote it under a pseudonym. He wrote it from a particular point of view, and so that gets missed a lot. So I don't know. Sickness on the death. It, it gets caught up into a lot of like Hegelian language, but I think it's basic point is uh, that one got me through a lot of uh, you know angsty college um, self-doubt and loathing and whatever and so mm. that, that one just that one connects to, that one connected to me as a college kid okay. Okay. Um, yeah so those are a few those are a few that's good um, okay all right got it um, okay I'm gonna read this I'm gonna read this question from uh an anonymous listener. I, I didn't oh get gosh. his permission to share his name. I wonder if he wants it to be shared. It's I'm okay. gonna, I'll err on the side of caution and he'll, he'll remain unnamed. Um, okay, here it is. Here's his question verbatim. He said, uh, so I know he's a huge nerd and I really struggle with being a huge nerd, uh, but feeling like I'm supposed to be more into theology and pretty fonts and stuff that makes my Instagram look really holy. Um, like, I'd rather be playing games or reading Stephen King novels than reading whatever theology, theological book I'm supposed to be reading at the time. Um, so it creates a lot of tension for me and makes it hard to just enjoy my life. Um, so I want to know how a guy like Derek manages to be a writer, a theologian, and also like Batman cartoons. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I I'll just say this, first of all. Uh, don't believe everything you see on Instagram. Um, <laughs> just don't. And, and that's, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll just say that. that. That's actually a really important point. Um, a lot of people think that the people that they see online are doing and being and saying a lot more than they actually are. You're, you're, you're usually only getting the tip of the iceberg and it's usually curated and for like a moment where they're feeling really good. Um, but the, the, the idea of, of, you know, reading what you ought to be reading, hmm. uh, there's a point where there's, there's, there's something true there where um, we ought to challenge ourselves to go through Scripture. Uh, a lot of us really should be in it more, um, more deeply, and more fully. Um, a lot of us need to think as rigorously about God and God's word as we do the latest stats on whatever sport we're into or the specs on whatever gaming system we're thinking about investing in um, and that kind of thing. So I, you know, my, I'll beat that drum and, and I'll stand by it. That said, um, don't do it to like pick up an identity as a theological nerd <laughs> or something like that or or don't do it to the point where like you know what you really enjoy um just literature or you really enjoy uh good films hmm. um and but you feel really bad that you ought to be reading this kind of thing instead um that's that is a bad reason to read theology and it will actually cause you to dislike it um and it's and it's and it's also I'll say this theology is not supposed to crowd out the rest of your normal life. Um, you know, reading fiction is 
is good. You know, mm-hmm. watching all shows can be good with limits, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, playing video games, which I don't do, but I know for some people it, it it's, it's mostly because I wasn't raised with it, and my parents never let me get the kind of good games that I wanted to get, which were the fighting games, but I thought they were too violent. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's one of those, those tweaks, but, uh, you know, the, you know yourself. You know yourself. You know if you're playing four hours a night or something like that. Okay, peel off for an hour and spend a half hour in a book a day or something like that. Start start small. Start with something manageable that on a subject you're interested in in scripture, a subject you're interested in in theology or whatever is start start manageable mm-hmm. and and then see if God increases desires if he if you get interested, awesome. If you're like, you know what, one book a month about some theological subjects, like maybe like 15 minutes of reading, 20 minutes of reading a day, right? If that's like your pace and it keeps your mind engaged with God and worshiping him and thinking through the faith, whatever, that's that's cool. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. But not everybody has to be a theological nerd or, or, or a scholar or whatever it is. I don't think of myself as a scholar. I'm a student. Right, mm-hmm. and, it's, and that's that's part of the thing about the body is that different people are called to different levels of engagement. Um, you know, with with uh, with different parts of the world, mm-hmm. right? I, some of us study to be equipped to teach and preach and equip others for ministry within other parts of the world. You know, if you're called to a ministry within economics you got to read a lot of economics you got to read you should probably have some theology under your belt but you you're not going to be sitting there reading recent dissertations on theology you you have to read what you have to read for your job you have to study what you have to study for your job and that's good because you're engaging god's world so um all that to say um you know yourself right If if you if you're like you know what i have a batman cartoon addiction I watch five hours a day. I think I might have a problem. Okay, well then, you know, back off, switch it out, that kind of thing. But if if you're just kind of feeling like I haven't lived into my theology nerd identity enough, well then that, that that's a different thing, and I, I don't think that's necessarily uh, very healthier for everyone. So, yeah. and I say that as who thinks theology is extremely interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's. I don't know if that, I hope that helps. I think it does. But, yeah, I think it does. I, yeah. You know yourself and, yeah. uh, and pursue balance and some self-discipline and do your thing. Yeah, that, that's good. Yeah. Um, okay. Speaking of self-discipline, I wasn't going to hit this one, but I think I'll do this and then we'll do a couple rapid fire questions and then, uh, I'll get you out of here. Um, so whenever I emailed you to set up this, um, this interview, I asked if we could do 11 mountain standard time, which was noon your time. And you said you were eating lunch at that time. Are you a guy who does the <laughs> same stuff at the same time every day? Um, I usually try to have a general schedule that okay. I keep to on, Tell on me about uh, certain days. <laughs> I, well, you know, it keeps things regular, especially when you, uh, when you're in grad school, you have a lot of, you have a lot of unstructured free time um, that you need to structure. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> you won't get anything done. You, you just need to get things done. And so um, I just have a regular rhythm of waking up, 
reading and pr- or praying and listening to the Bible while I wash the dishes. Um, then just spending the morning, uh, usually just if I don't have class, I spend the morning usually working on what I got to do, reading some news, that kind of thing, and then lunch, and then same thing in the afternoon, and just kind of try. I just try and keep a regular work day. Okay. Uh, but I that's that's pretty much it because otherwise you just don't get things done. And, and graduate school has made me realize it's it's uh, if you don't set key disciplines, then nobody else will for you. Mm-hmm. So that's it's just one of the things I do. Okay. And I, I, I'm I'm a creature of habit too. So yeah, I think we all are. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Okay, so outside of grad school, is your you mentioned getting up and then um, praying, listening to the Bible, washing dishes? Are there other rhythms like that that you've incorporated that you found helpful? It's a good question. Like, is um, there? Do you do dinner with your wife on a particular night, or do you, you know, any of those things? Yeah, we we generally try and eat together most nights unless there's a study going on or something like that um i wait for her uh she gets home she goes out to work uh we we eat together for most dinners um so and that's pretty pretty regular Uh, i'll cook she'll cook um i don't really know besides just church rhythms what other rhythms i have um you know i i i usually you know one of the rhythms I, I do say is I watch it. I watch some show at lunch just to take my mind off of uh, academics for a half hour, and you, then I get back to it. What are you watching right now? I am. So this is such a weird thing. I'm just rewatching Star Wars: The Clone Wars on Netflix. <laughs> right now. It's just it's 20 minutes. It's 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 a good plot line, and uh, and it's not it's not theology. So, yep. I mean, I just, I, I just need things to just take my mind off of that or the news or something like oh, that. Oh, totally. So, yeah. Yeah. It's just, you know, everybody has their own things, you know. Yep. Um, that's just one of my rhythms and it switches when I get through a show. <laughs> I usually play a game of, uh, of NBA 2K on my Xbox at the end of probably like three out of seven days. So. Wow. You know, I have, we all have rhythms like that. We all have shut your brain off rhythms and I think yeah. they're good. I, you can't abuse them or you can use them correctly and, and, and get a reset that you need. So I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, knowing yourself is really, it's a difficult process at times, but it's really important for just productivity. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Okay. Okay, let's let's do a couple rapid fire. Um, well, first of all, is there anything anything you're working on next, or, or where should we point people if they want to hear more stuff from you to your website? I suppose. Oh man, um, yes, yeah. Uh, you, I have a podcast I do with some buddies. Yeah, um, but we're on a sabbatical right now. Okay, but there's a bunch of backlogged episodes. Mere fidelity. You can listen to our podcast. Uh, we talk about theology, culture, politics. Um, there's usually anywhere between three and four of us. Two of us are two of us are American. Two of us are English. They have much cooler accents. Um, <laughs> so that's fun. 
you can find those on iTunes or if you go to mereorthodoxy.com, the, the, um, they host our archives. Okay. And, and my website, my blog, Derek, Derek Um, just Google the name and it shows up. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you can just find it on online around. The, yeah. Those are the main places. Usually link what I do elsewhere. <laughs> if you find, if you find any of this helpful. Yeah, that's, that's basically it. But, you know, things slow down a bit during school because I'm just doing schoolwork. So, so it wasn't yeah. like uh, we landed an interview with Tim Keller, so we're on indefinite sabbatical. That's not why you stopped? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, the guys the guys all have, uh, they all had summer commitments. And okay. I, I did, I, I had intense class I had to get through. So, um, yeah. Uh, we just decided to take a couple couple months off. Okay. And we're gonna hit it probably sometime in August. But again, there's there's like a hundred episodes in backlog, so if you've never listened, there's oh nice plenty to to wade through. Yeah. Uh, if you're interested, you know. Okay, and you said your website DerekZRishmawi dot com. I want to know. Yeah. What's the worst pronunciation of your name that you've ever heard? I I. Man, there have been so many. Rishmawai? No, man, you got like extra na- you got like extra letters in there. I got Rich Mari, <laughs> Rich Mari, That one's not that bad. Uh, Do they say it confidently? Like they think they're right? Sometimes. Okay. Uh, most times there's just confusion. Yeah. And awkwardness. Uh, you got it right. Well done. Thank I, you. I think it's actually a pretty phonetic name, Rishmawi. Yeah. That's not that's. Hard, but people. I feel like they see it, and their brain just freezes, yeah, and they think, yeah. "Oh no, it's got to sound different than what it looks like," <laughs> and they just fill in the gaps. Do they and do I, like the mumble I, thing I, at the end, like? And this no, is Derek Rusman, you know, like yeah, something like this. Yeah, um, <laughs> when they'll make a joke or whatever. I've just kind of gotten over it over the years, yeah. been thirty years, so, um, and I have a little bit of pity. I used to, uh, I used to. I used to substitute teach for many years, and so I I would pronounce all kinds of different people's names. Mm. Uh, and I I actually got pretty good at, at pronouncing um, uh, non-Anglo names. Yeah. That, um, that I then started to just guess at, at things and just – I got pretty good at it. And then I, I get, there was the day where I was like, um, Michael – Yones, Yones. Oh, Jones. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. And so I, just, <laughs> I, I went into like, don't, don't mess this kid's name up mode. Oh my god! Yeah, that was so. Uh, Michael Yones. That's a, that's like the skit that uh, Key and Peele did. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah. It was so funny when I saw that one. I saw, oh my gosh, my life. <laughs> that that guy, and I, I he was right. Kids, man. Aaron. They won't mess with. They will try. They'll try. Totally. I real. And just as a hat up tip, substitutes know. Yeah. And think you're getting away with something. Yeah. Odds are, they they just don't care about whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. I heard everything in that class in those classrooms. Uh, <laughs> has nothing to do with history. I'm just saying. <laughs> Some things and some stuff. It's good. And, uh, 
I just let people be right, man. No, 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 we're, we're leaving that in. I like, if people say James Lapine, I'm like, yeah, it's James Lapine. You know, like, sure. If, if that's what it needs to be for you, I, I yeah. you know, that's fine. Um, but anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Most of my rapid fire questions, I feel like we've already hit. I, I was going to ask you about favorite TV show, movie, or book. We've talked through some of the things you're, you're watching and reading right now. Um, another question is what's the nerdiest thing that you're into right now, but we've kind of talked about that already. My life, my life is the nerdiest thing I'm into. Right now. <laughs> what's the best meal that you've had recently? Oh, that is very difficult. Um, I've had some, some doozies. Yeah. This, my favorite place that I've been to in Chicago since I've been here is uh, this burger joint called Al Cheval. Highly recommend it. A-U. Next word, C-H-E-V-A-L. Okay. Uh, it's just a, it's like a burger brew pub kind of place. Um, you go, you put your name in. You're probably going to have to wait anywhere between an hour to two hours on a given night. Whoa. Um, and then it'll be worth it because you go in and you'll get the burger. And you make sure to get it with the egg and the bacon. Okay. And it's it's amazing. The place has been the place has been rated like the the best burger in the U.S. by one of these websites. You oh, know, twenty fifteen. Wow. So it's it's not, I'm not just I had I didn't find some secret location. <laughs> we just went to the place that was rated well. And we're like, oh yeah, this is you're right. <laughs> so, um, but that's one of the best meals I've had. Did you Instagram a, a picture of your burger? No, no, I don't really. I Instagram food very poorly. Okay. Um, my wife laughs because we'll be at a place and she'll have to get the shot. Yeah. She'll have to. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'll occasionally do it, but every time I've done it, just because um, it'll just look so. <laughs> it just looks so bad. <laughs> I, I'm taking a bite. Um, I choose the worst filter. I'm unskilled. I'm unskilled at making things with appetizers. So it's like an anti-ad. If I tagged whatever restaurant it was, yeah. they would untag themselves from it because it would be like an anti-ad. Yeah. Oh, that's the best people. Oh, man, that's a life form. <laughs> right? That's, so, they're like reporting you as spam and yeah, they're like, get that off of here. It's not, it's not good. At least you're so, self-aware yeah. enough to know that. I think most people who post yeah. food pictures think it looks amazing every time. So... Yeah, I think um, I think we. Yeah, I'm not good at those things. I'm 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 not really good at like the the inspirational quote plus mm. plus uh, see. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'm so yeah. My Instagram is basically just book quotes and joke photos that are just bad. So. <laughs> All right. So it, it's not worth it's not worth anybody's time. Yeah. Don't, um, don't follow Derek on on Instagram. Follow him on Twitter, but not on Instagram. You don't have to do either. But uh, <laughs> if, I, if I had to pick one, yeah. If I had to pick one, okay. Fine. Anyways, it, it's, that was the most millennial like close out to any conversation. Well, that's why I'm going to redeem it. I'm going to redeem it and ask one final question. Uh, All right. Do it. If you could put a billboard, I steal this question from Tim Ferriss. If you could put a billboard anywhere in the world, where would you put it and what would it say? Oh, 
That is awfully difficult question. And I, you know, I have choice paralysis. Uh, Uh, Yeah. Well, maybe you should put something about that. This is bad. Um, Oh gosh. Oh, that's awful. (laughs) Awful. Awful. How about this? I mean, think about your answer. I probably put it somewhere in Orange County, like off the 55 freeway or something like that. Cause that's where I'm from. Okay. Um, uh, it, I'm trying to think of the right quote, but, um, it, yeah, I don't know what quote I'd say. It just kind of be like, you're despite all appearances, you're, you're not, you're not, you're not sufficient. You need, you need people and you need God go to church i don't know something <laughs> like, you need Jesus. I, I i don't have anything pithy to say yeah. except to say um like there is a place that you can go where you can meet who you need most um and it's not tinder try, yeah try try one of these 50 awesome churches that i go. know of yeah great <laughs> it's it'd be one of them so yeah and then we put a picture of your half-eaten burger up there next to it. Right next to it. This is your, your <laughs> appearance. A good Instagram burger. Reality. One that I Instagrammed. <laughs> Go to church. I don't know. That's, that's... Oh, that's perfect. That's the best Dang answer up. to that question so far. Well done. All right. Good. <laughs> Man, thanks for giving us an hour of your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Um, I hope this is helpful to somebody somehow. All right, and that'll do it for our interview with uh, Derek Rishmawi. See how I pronounced that correctly. I'm so proud of myself. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. It was super helpful for me. As always, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. You can email me, james at parkchurchdenver.org. If you thought it sucked, if you thought it was great, I want to know, so let me know. Um, And as always, if you have a second, hop into uh, Apple Podcasts and rate and review us there. That'll just help other people find the show. So if you like it and you want other people to find it, that's a really easy way uh, to do that. Really appreciate you listening, and uh, we'll be back next month with another episode. Take care.